the man who virtually saved your life passed away on uh, I consider on Saturday a friend. morning. Yeah. Well, he should. Yep. You were having a nervous breakdown in his presence. I wasn't right? having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> you, were Lambo? A, you were having something. I'm at Green Bay, it outside Lambo. I having, guess, I guess, as you would look back on it, you'd call it an anxiety attack. Anxiety attack. I was okay. standing in front of the locker room after the Vikings played Green Bay, and the floor was going up and down. Yes, I mean, I was losing it. Mm-hmm. I thought, what's going on here? Could Bud took a, one look at me and said, "Get in the trainers." Room. Yeah, it's amazing how he could read the room. Yeah, huh? yeah. He was always, and he was always, you know, those dead gaze looked kind of. Like it was going out in the distance, but he he saw all. He saw everything, and uh, yeah, it's uh, as as we've been saying. Sid was a hundred, and he died, and we were surprised. And now Bud is ninety five, and we're shocked. Uh, Saturday, uh, Thursday, I saw Mike Grant at the Bob Hagen event, and uh, and he showed up to speak for Bud because he said Bud wasn't feeling real well, but there was no real right. concern that he was. I hate to say this because I love him so dearly, but if you want to go with our leaders chronologically, who's next? Yeah. Might be Louie. Louie's getting up there. Louie's 84. Louie's. Well, if he don't slow down, he's. I mean, he did the hockey tournament. He's in five different cities every two weeks. He did wait until the early Sunday to get on that plane back to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I mean, no, I'm just saying, who is there besides Sid and Uh, Bud? Oh, who's next? Then where do you go? Who's next? Yeah, I I wrote, as I wrote Sunday, Sid, Bud, and Bernsey in two and a half years. And, uh, yeah, there is. You know, I, I don't use Let's the word. Let's put it this way. There, there Louis is the, the current dean. Let's put it that yes, way. Yes, yes, he is. You're right. Yeah. Uh, the next guy that's irreplaceable. Right. The next, right. as far as his, his history, that's it. his that's historical it. value is. And uh, it's very ironically, very similar. The U of M, the local yes. uh, playing, uh, local <laughs> management, local always being around. Yeah, this is, this is one of the... Uh, Hardest guys to decipher of them all, though, Bud, because he was not an open book. Until no. later in life, he was yeah. pretty much an open book. But uh, uh, I loved uh, Bob Hagen's uh, story on Thursday talking about him about the garage sale. You heard this one, right? Oh, yeah. When uh, this guy, kid from Channel 9, the they sent out to do this story on the garage sale. He was like 23-year-old, probably early summer intern and didn't really know who Bud was, but was sent out there. And he says, Coach, so Coach Grant, how much money did you make off this garage sale last year? <laughs> and Bud stares at him for like oh, God. Five, question. five, ten seconds and said, what are you from the IRS? <laughs> and, and, then, and then the guy laughs. Yeah, and he's waiting for the follow-up. There is no, no follow-up. There's no that follow-up. was the answer. So, like twenty seconds later, the right. guy, the kid, stumbles around and asks some other question. But uh, you remember Skilly? Oh yeah. Skilly. Okay. Yeah. Dear fake mayor Patrick and morons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Late two thousand five, I was tasked with lining up the speaker for our church men's club's annual winter sports shirt stag. That would be at Nativity. Mm-hmm. A beer and a broad event that features a local sports personality or or a local sports personality speaking engagement mm-hmm. that serves beer and brats. 
In addition, traditionally, the event was a cigar-friendly event that we held in the school's cafeteria until 2006. Well, you better cut out the cigars to start with. Uh, Why don't you step all over this thing? <laughs> oh, I'm going to write. Okay. All right. <laughs> Back to my task. I thought, how do I get in touch with such a legendary human as Bud Grant? So I picked up the phone. I called the Vikings headquarters. A female voice answered. And when I asked if she knew the best way for me to reach Mr. Grant, she simply stated, sure. Coach Grant maintains an office here and schedules his own appointments. Please hold on. I'll transfer you. Mm -hmm. Excellent, right? I got his voicemail. Damn it. I thought I got screened out and we'll never hear from him. Fast forward a few days and I get a call. Hi, this is Bud Grant. I had left a fairly detailed message, so after I quickly gathered my thoughts, we got right to the point. I asked about available Fridays, and we nailed down Feb 17, 2006. <laughs> then I thought I would recap the plan. I mentioned that generally the speaker shares their 30 to 45-minute story, followed by a Q&A, and that we serve beer and brats, and that it is a cigar-smoking event. Without hesitation, he firmly said, not if you want me to speak. <laughs> I struggled to regain my courage, and I choked out, pardon me? He replied, not if you want me to speak. Uh, you know I'm an adamant anti-smoker, so if you want me to speak, there's going to be no smoking. I swallowed hard as best as I could. I croaked out the words, yes, sir, I understand. That will not be a problem. He actually did us a favor. As for many attendees, this has made for a much more pleasurable event. <laughs> for 18 years now, we have been following what we call Bud's Law. No smoking until the speaker has left the building, or until we get their blessing to light up. We have since taken it one step further in that we are saving tons of money by not having to rent the convoluted HVAC system to blow the smoky air to the outside. It looked like something out of the movie Brazil. Anyhow, now we set up an outdoor tent for the guys to enjoy their tobacco. Rest in peace, Coach Grant. Thank you for everything you have done for us. Uh, but that's Bud. Hey, hey, hey. I'm not speaking there if you're smoking. That's another question I wish I had asked him. When did the anti-smoking start? Was it lifelong? Probably. Yeah. It, but, I mean, imagine being a hardcore non-smoker in the late 40s at right. the University of Minnesota. I'm right. sure that... I'm sure the guys were nominally and the boys were locking I loading up in the, I don't think the locker room. Smoked. No, I don't think he did either. So there's another commonality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bud, uh, but uh, Bud, uh, you know, was just hardcore about it. But yeah. uh, uh, I wonder when that started. Probably all I probably just he thought it was maybe probably had a relative die young or something and they blame lung cancer just and, uh, stay away from it yeah, yeah. i just yeah. think even the way he died was bud just no fuss about it i by the way i'm dead yeah, yeah. yeah. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes and you know a lot of people are having uh oh bud is in heaven with sid and Mernsey. Yeah. bud was an agnostic yeah yeah he was not uh he was, you know, Bud figured you got every minute you could out here, and then, then whatever happens, happens. So he was not, uh, uh, and, you know, Sid, I don't know what, what would happen to him. And then Bernsey, they were talking about Ben Bernsey, too. Well, if if there is such a thing, Bernsey's still doing penance for the Schnelker. Uh, you know, he's, yeah. he hasn't made her yet. You know, he has, it's only been a couple of a year and a half or so. So You did have the great line, though, uh, speaking of Twitter, 
uh, when you said he did us a favor by by passing away on Sunday morning, early, or, early Saturday, Saturday, Saturday morning. morning. I I, uh, I have not seen the Pioneer Press for Sunday, but I am sure they uh, place they went all out. Yeah. We uh, we it was old it was old times at the Star Tribune. They cleaned out like six pages and six seven pages. Kent Youngblood did the Bud. Advance obit in 2003. Wow. He wrote the thing, and really? then it was updated, obviously. But he, he came out and said, Bud, I, I want to do this long story for you, and blah, blah, blah. And he sits down, and he's, he gets, you know, Bud's out at the office. he got nothing else to do. And he gave him two hours, but he starts off saying, this is for my obituary, isn't it? <laughs> but you didn't have to tell him because, you know, Youngblood didn't want to call him up and say, uh, this is for your obituary. One of my but, favorite uh, stories was just recently learned. That was when Dennis wrote about his oh, the Armistice, Armistice Day Blizzards. I'm looking forward to Dennis's Thursday. Dennis will probably have a Thursday yeah. column on him because, you know, there's no question of the Sid... Uh, Bud relationship. I mean that they were very close, and as Sid said, mm -hmm. but as Bud said, why were you such good friends with Sid? Mm -hmm. Sid had a car. Mm -hmm. That's what he said. <laughs> so Bud said the family the car. car didn't work half the time. No. They took buses. Yes. Yeah. And well, plus in Superior, Wisconsin, but down here he's a gopher. He had no yeah. money. He had right. no money back from the war. But uh, Sid, that's the moon. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love that story. What, oh. that streetlight story? Oh. Yeah. Oh, they're, out, they're stuck out in the winter. Right. Flat tire in Asco, Minnesota, and Sid starts running towards the light. But <laughs> <laughs> said, Sid. Sid, now, that's, that, a, that's, that's the, the moon. moon. <laughs> Long trip, Sid. Yeah. That's the moon. And, uh, I would imagine for uh, comic relief, part of... But being around Sid probably was comic relief to see when he when he tried to do something, you know, when he yeah. tried to like yeah. fix something yeah. or do something <laughs> or because the complete opposite of uh, anyway. But Dennis's, I'm, I'm looking forward to Dennis's uh, obituary. He, he was the next closest guy he's ever been to on this, at least in the Minneapolis newspapers, Dennis. He and Dennis are really good friends. So uh, I had I was able to be liked by yes. two guys. Yeah. Mock, Mock and, and Grant. Him. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't have been. Because <laughs> Especially Bud. You cost him a draft I choice. I cost Bud a draft <laughs> choice. That's right. And he just looked at me with some amusement. It just, how could you be this stupid? <laughs> <laughs> but he would tell me often, he told me, because he... I think he sympathized with my anti-dome stuff. Okay, really? Yeah, well, he And he told me, I hate going there. I don't want to go in there. I don't yeah. want to go in there. But he said, and I said, well, then say that. Let's say it. He's like, I can't. I okay. can't. Okay, but this is 37 years since he coached his last game. Yep. Would we remember, Will he? would he be so front of mind, obviously would have gotten a good old bit, if he had not coached out on the frozen tundra for the first 15 of no, those. No. No. I mean, we would not remember. That defined him. If we wouldn't. Yes, it defined him, and, and we hoped that it defined us. Yes. It didn't. No. But we wanted to be the same hearty folk. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, 
the guy standing there, no heaters, steam blowing out everybody's mouths, and him just standing there looking and appearing. And, and, and he knew perfectly well what he was doing. Oh, when he came just, out with the golf shirt, the oh, short sleeves. Oh, fantastic. His he idea. told people. He said, get the cameras ready. They're going to love this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hagen, Hagen, Bobby Hagen, Thursday night, confirmed that. Yeah. that they had asked Sid a week in advance to come out for the to the uh, the coin toss yeah and and on, on Monday which is six days earlier it was like 40 degrees in town and bud called him up and said I'll go out there in a light jacket and then take it yeah. off for the corn and and Hagen said bud the the forecast has got it's gonna be like 25 below wind chill on Sunday or yeah. Saturday whichever it was yeah. Saturday or Sunday I can't remember yeah. uh, and bud said, that's okay. Yeah. And then when they got ready to do it, he <laughs> forgot about the jacket. Right. And he went out. He said, I'm going out in shirt sleeves. And Hagen said, but, and he said, your body can sustain, uh, can stand anything for 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> was his deal. <laughs> so you can, you can put up with anything that didn't kill for 10 minutes. No, hell no, that yeah. didn't kill. And what it did was tell. Mm-hmm. Two generations later, what their great-grandparents and grandparents were talking about mm-hmm. right. with Bud. Right. It, it told all those people that said... The message just didn't get through to the, the kicker, the field No, goal. that's <laughs> right. That's right. And that's another reason that I still say we should have put him on a pl- put him in a cab and sent him directly to the airport after he missed that field goal instead of sending him love notes from first graders i'll give you a good column <laughs> you probably already thought of it i wonder what alan page thinks uh your guy thomason got a very lukewarm quote from him oh. he called him but but he said uh he was uh, he was a Minnesota institution yeah. and blah blah so, blah. So so Allen was a little gracious, but didn't but have much gracious, to say. It was gracious, but it was not. Yeah. It's not like getting. No, I I didn't talk to Jim. Jim Marshall didn't want to do an interview, but I exchanged a text with him, and he said, "I'm I'm I'm too sad. I'm not. He hasn't doing real well health wise, and uh, he said I'm too sad." But call me in a couple of days. I was covering him when Bud had Allen's belongings put in a cardboard box and brought to his front door, mm-hmm. and put. And yes. That was how Bud got rid of Allen Page. And I've, I, yes, uh, and I've told this story uh, numerous times because he didn't like Page losing weight. No, he got down to two twenty-five. Yeah. He was the best defensive tackle. Because Page was smart enough to know I want to live a while. Yeah, well, <laughs> but he. But here's what. We have to remember about Bud. As long as Alan Page was great, he let him get away with murder. That's true. He'd go to camp late because yep. of law school, yep. and you know he was he he you know miss an exhibition game or yep. two back then when you didn't miss exhibition mm-hmm. games. As long as you were great, if you had some personal habits that might involve drugs or something, we didn't do a full investigation. But as soon as you were no longer great, mm-hmm. then you could be out the door. Mm-hmm. But when it was time for a guy to go, he'd give a guy two extra years, you, mm-hmm. you know, usually one of his noble old veterans. Yeah. But then he'd call him in and say, uh, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, it's, it's, we're going to have a nice little ceremony for you, Wally, and you're going to retire. And Jim Marshall, uh, he didn't march, didn't retire him till 79, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, 
But it was, he called Jim in and said that, you know, that's enough. But Marshall, he loved Marshall and Marshall loved him. I, I mentioned this. Uh, you know who sent out uh, con, uh, sympathy to him and uh, as a Minnesota icon? Hmm. Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, really? Yes, and I thought... That's bold. Boy, I said, Cat. Yeah. Bud would think poorly of you, Bud, son. Cat, you and Bud would not have nope, gotten along. Right. Right. <laughs> you would not. You were uh, well, if, you missing. He saw George Mikan play a playoff game with a broken leg. That's right. He had a broken leg and he tried, or a broken foot, and yep. he tried to play with a cast so on. So you think cat, he would not have been in on three and a half months missing with a calf injury. But cat is back to basketball activities. Activities, mm-hmm. yeah. Any month now. Will What's be, that mean? You yeah. think Bud uh, seeing Carl Anthony Towns brag on social media about how much his outfit cost. Uh, he might oh, have had an issue with that. Did he have that lately? He did. Uh, oh, about Bud a week did ago. not suffer fools gladly. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't. <laughs> yeah. Why? You were around. What was it about Charlie McKenna that drove him nuts? That McKenna was a fool. Okay, because he would ask goofy just questions. A, just a smart ass, uh, yeah. know it all. Uh, uh-huh. uh, Bud didn't like him at all. Oh God, that, he was the only guy yeah. that I ever saw get to Bud. Yep. You know that that of yeah. I mean, Bud. Yeah. And same thing with TK and uh, Jeff Lenan. You know, he just couldn't stand him. Whatever and, happened to McKenna? I wonder. Don't know. Don't he know was a to. beat writer at the a Tribune. Of years, okay. A young guy from East, good college and yeah. something. But, but he was a, you know, kind of. He like was a way war above protester. football. He yeah. was way above football, mm-hmm. and Bud sensed that, and it drove him crazy. Ah, drove him nuts. Ah. You, you know, you and I, neither of you and I were covering in '67, but the story had to be the veterans who had this crazy man. As their coach for the first six years, Van Brocklin, a guy who would get drunk uh, the night before, get in a fight with Klobuchar, and then yeah. come up to practice and be in a bad mood and practice him for three hours, right. and the most volatile character of all time. And then this guy comes up and shows up and looks at everybody and says about 50 words to him, and and then the next thing he says is, okay, now we're going to practice lining up for the national anthem, right. you know, and stuff. I mean, that kind of stuff had to be, uh, what a what a change for those guys. They, ended they had up, to love it. They ended up loving it because yeah. they didn't kill them in practice. Right. You know, hell, the ducks might be flying. He might not have practice. He didn't <laughs> sleep in the office. No, no, no he didn't. Well, I think it was Foreman. I f- he think he was interviewed locally and said he was the only coach that hated uh, training camp more than we did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they Many, they were know, noted for being the last to report. And last to report. And I think, did Lynn make him start a mini camp like yes. one, about mid 80? They never had a mini camp until. And it lasted five, ten minutes. Five years after five years, he would he wasn't going to come down from no. the cabin to, no. for mini camp. For God's sake, he did cling to some stuff that he had to. That reality made him change. Water, for example. Yes, he had to start giving I mean, water. We lost people. a guy. For yeah, God's Corey sake. Stringer, and that yeah. wasn't him coaching. But no. uh, But yes, he finally well, had the his joke time. was they get water when there's a cattle. Water. Yeah, cattle, and that was true. Yeah, that was true. They that got water the, in Mankato when there was a cattle. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that ain't funny anymore. No, it's not. And they had some hot days and stuff like that. But then again, I'm, I'm not defending that, but I... The number of grueling practices he had compared to everybody were else. few, yeah. Very, I remember when Charlie Johnson, Charles Johnson, was a nose tackle that had been a good player with the Eagles, and they picked him up, and he was there with Vermeil, you know, who was won a Super Bowl, won two actually, but uh, used to beat him. I mean, they were just vicious hitting practices all season long, and he came to Mankato. And I remember talking to him. He'd been there about two weeks, and he said, this is heaven, man. <laughs> this yeah. is, you know, you go out there, you run around a little bit, you hit for 10 minutes, and you, and then you then you go out in or you do something It was almost the Gagliardi school of practice. Yes, right. He didn't, uh, he, he didn't believe in getting guys hurt in training camp, and uh, which was, again, the opposite of Van Brocklin, too. I'm sure they—I think most of them love playing for him because, A— he didn't get involved in their personal habits. Right. You know, B, uh, you know, as long as you played, you know, as long as you played, he didn't really. Was he know, that way because he you. was a player? Yeah, he always uh, famously said, we were going to, the Gophers, now this is before my time, it was 1949, but the World War II, the Minis- the, US, the Rose Bowl a contract between the Big Ten and the Pac-9 or whatever it was then didn't start till after the war. And and the Beerman in 49, the Gophers had this great team with a bunch of guys that ended up in the NFL and Namalini and all these guys. And they were going to go to the Rose Bowl that year. And it was only like the third or fourth year. And and people were people had some money in their pockets after World War II again, and everybody was really excited. And they went out and beat. They went on the road. They had back-to-back games against Michigan and Ohio State, and they went on the road and they beat Michigan, and which was like the big thing. And Bierman came back and practiced the hell out of them for you know. He said they beat him up for three days to really get us ready and toughen mm-hmm. us up for Ohio State. And but always said we hit the field and we didn't have anything left. And right. Ohio State crushed them and they didn't. And then they lost again, I think. And they they didn't go to the Rose Bowl. But those that's a famous collection of players. Uh, I think Tonemaker was on that team and Gordy Solta and all all these guys that ended up in the NFL. And that stuck with Bud. Don't don't over right. Over practice, guys. Don't don't beat him up in practice. If losing four Super Bowls wounded him emotionally, you never knew it. My favorite. I don't think it wounded him. One of my five favorite quotes. Somebody told me he was asked about that. And he said, "Yeah, but those four guys are all dead." <laughs> they beat him. They mentioned, mentioned the coaches. I outlived. They beat me, yeah. but I outlived them. I'll right. make that trade. Right. <laughs> Because he did not like Lombardi, right? Didn't he? Oh, I don't think he even knew him. He only coached against him one oh, year. Oh, really? I think, yeah. He, he I did. thought I remember reading that somewhere. I don't know why Bud would have disliked him. Yeah, he probably okay. would have never had met him, you know, probably. Okay. You know, he was an Eastern guy in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But he he hated Shula as the guy he hated because maybe that's what Shula, I'm thinking of. Shula was the head of the competition committee. Mm-hmm. Used to dri- drive him crazy like they'd have 
that Shula was down there making the rules that would benefit Shula. You know, he'd drive him. That drove him nuts. But I can't remember him. I think he gave, became very bitter about Stram after he saw the, the clip. NFL Films yeah. things of Stram. Because when they got him back here for the season opener the next year, they yep. just they buried him. They just killed him. And, of course, Sid and some of the other fellas tried to make it. We're now even. <laughs> well, they, they won really the Super Bowl. That, they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> a little bit of a different game. Regular season opener. Right. <laughs> yes. But they did purposely kick their ass. And... Uh, <laughs> It is uh, one 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 of the worst things that happened to him was Cap. They uh, you, you know Cap left them, and they had seventy and seventy one. They were unbelievably good defensively those mm-hmm. two years, but their quarterback play their quarterback play was. Look up the '71 stats; it's unbelievable. They're like the greatest def- one of the greatest defenses in NFL history, and one of the worst offenses ever. They they had a game out here against Green Bay where they won three to nothing. Green Bay had three hundred and some yards, and they had sixty or something. I was, I mean, it was the defense was that was Allen Page in '71 was the MVP of the league. And they um, they were one and done in the playoffs, and they were eleven and three. Because didn't he game. also say that the seventy seven team was his best one, the one that lost to I Dallas? I don't think so. I no? don't know if, okay. if he did. Nobody else agreed with him. Stewie Voigt always told me that the the seventy six team that went to the that played Oakland was the that was would, the best team. No, that they were on the way downhill. But, oh, okay. Uh, he gotcha. said the, the seventy five team that lost to the Cowboys was like zenith, and then they started okay. downhill. Stu said so. That's the way. But it is astounding that he was still, we still talk about him like it was three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, his coaching. That's why I think his death was so nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm dead now. <laughs> yeah, right. In the morning. He actually did wake up in the morning. I, I, would, I was wondering if he maybe fell asleep. Uh, the friend of mine, the guy who does the impersonation of me, Chad Oslin, he's a big Viking historian. Bud Grant was announced as the new Viking coach on Saturday, March 11th at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1967. Mm-hmm. And he died on Saturday, March 11, 2023 wow. at almost simultaneously the same wow. time. That's just somehow mystic. Who did Fink send to the airport to pick him up? McGrain, Bill McGrain. How will I know him? Hey, the guy looks like a sheriff. Yeah, I know. He said... <laughs> He says, how would I know it's him? He says, he'll be the guy that looks like the town marshal. Yeah, the town marshal. <laughs> Which from the Western movies oh, back yeah, then, yeah. you know, Gary Cooper walking down the street. Yeah. And, I, and it was a perfect description. Right. I mean, tall, crew gray, cut. looking at it. And he was, was he gray? When, I was going to ask, was yes. he born with yes. gray hair? Was I don't know. <laughs> I think no, he was in the early right. pictures, he had dark hair. But okay. he had the crew cut, you know, oh, he yeah. had the crew cut all the time. And uh, you know what? You know, he had six kids. That's all they give me. And he had six kids. And I wonder how much yelling he had to do. I got a hunch all he had to do was stare at them, too. Right? Yeah. yeah. What a great asset that is for a coach. You don't have to yell. Nope. You just have to look. 
Oh, I'm in trouble now. Oh, yeah, boy. Right. And physically, he could get away with it, too, because he yeah. was imposing. Yes, he, he was. was he was tall. He was fit. always lean. Yeah. If you look back at him, though, the pictures when he was a college athlete and stuff, he's a good-looking guy, man. Yeah. And I think and There he, he is riding around with Sid. Yeah. <laughs> and he had I, a car. I, I'm not sure when he got married, but beforehand, I, the legend is he experimented. Oh. So, <laughs> as most as, as one would most, want to do at that age, athletes would. But, yeah. uh, yes. Ah, uh, I, I like the story. I wrote this uh, on Twitter, but uh, <laughs> he pitched in Gordon, Wisconsin, where he also has his cabin, mm -hmm. one summer, and part of his compensation was eight. Plots right. at the local cemetery. Right. Eight plots. And Mike Grant, years later, asked him, Bud, you didn't even have children yet then. How'd you know you were going to have six kids and you and mom? He says, eight. How did you know eight? He says, no, nah, that's all they'd give me. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I he love never, him. He never came in with a low ask, I'm sure, for anything. <laughs> no, plus I've always said, and I still love him, if you were on Desert Island and there was one turkey leg, you ain't getting it. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the only guy in the world that Sid would give it to would be Bud. Right. <laughs> you know, to, now, is his family, him. will they use those plots, I wonder? Uh, well, I think Bruce, uh, one of his sons died. I oh, think no. He's, and I think the wife's up there, too. Oh, then that's think, what they'll use. I think, I think Bruce What the hell? Bud will say they're paid for. Let's I think, go. I think Bruce got ALS. I think oh, he did. I, okay. I, he was an old quarterback, at, a, a great quarterback at Duluth, UMD, hmm. and played for Miloski. Yeah. who was one of Bud's best buddies, you know, Bud, Bud loved Miloski. The one thing I should have done that I never did, being an idiot, the Billy Bye was from that 1949 team, mm -hmm. you know, very successful guy, but he had a place up on Bay Lake. Yeah, he drowned and on Bay Lake. Did he? Really? Fell off a pontoon. Wow. Yeah. He had, every year, they had a reunion mm. up there, like before training camp started. They had a reunion, and all those guys came back. Gagne and the would whole Bud crew. Would Bud participate? Oh, Bud would show up, too. That's a, Bud would laugh and wow. have a couple of drinks. And no, never, he didn't never, have a couple of drinks. He might have had a couple of three, two beers yeah. or something. I don't know. He had five drinks in his life, probably. Right. But uh, but can you imagine the storytelling? Oh, yeah. oh I never went up there. I, I knew about it. I just never what never occurred to me there might have been a ball game so I went and you know wrote that the twins should have won that three to two game instead of going up there and hearing a book's worth of quote <laughs> stories you know so anyway well, what else rest hey, in peace bud we now know what the wilds problem was on offense they weren't tight enough Kirill 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 was screwing up the operation they got what do they got? Eight goals since they got rid of since they uh, seven goals in two games, eight goals since they got rid of them. They beat San Jose. They shouldn't have lost to Arizona. That's twice in a row. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Arizona got rid of half their team yeah. at the trading deadline. I think we don't play well in ramshackled college uh, <laughs> arenas. We we have a hard time thinking, but but it is amazing. All of a sudden, they had Carell. He was scoring. He was the only guy they had scoring goals. Now they've had eight goals in two games. You watch Minnetonka and Edina, you might as well have been watching an NHL game in terms of the skill hey, level, good? how it's improved. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. It's Minnetonka had some big kids on, yep. that, on that squad. Yep. Well, Judd is convinced that the best line in the, in the state of Minnesota, including the Wild, 
is Cooley, Snuggerud, and uh, Nice over at the university. Really? The first line over there. And they're all, you know, Cooley was the third overall or fourth overall. Nice is going to be in the NHL next year. Well, and who's and the— Snuggie's uh, kid it just fires the hell out of the They also have the kid that'll be with the Wild, the second. Brock, Brock Favor, Favor, the defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. The defenseman. But that's how good they are now. It's— uh, it's amazing. Uh, I, I didn't get to, that. Was right. In, I didn't. I didn't watch the game because I don't. My uh, my TV at home doesn't have channel forty five, and I haven't figured out how to watch it. At my house, it's on twelve. Channel twelve yeah. is channel forty five. Well, I stream YouTube, and it's not on there. I, I had some it. duties that called me away from the TV at another person's house, so I had to watch it on a computer. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Well, I probably could have done that. So yeah, I don't. Uh, but. I know, last year, Andover and uh, who did they play? Finals. Andover was, beat Maple Grove last it year. It was a fantastic final. You know, and, and the uh, last time an urban public school won the tournament was 1970. Yep, I was there. Southwest. 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 I covered two uh, state tournaments as the beat writer. The 69, which was... The Still coming out, Met Sports the, the Center, coming yeah. out that first went to Met Sports Center the yep. first year, it was really the coming out party for the hockey tournament because Henry Boucher and yep. uh, and Edina in the finals and was Antonovich in that tournament? Colerain? Mm, no, he was sixty eight, I think. Yeah, well, he. He and Henry were coming out the same year. Yeah. Greenway might, yeah, I think Greenway got beat. I remember that, that like five or six of the teams were wearing green and white. But you go back to the early 60s, and even teams that made the tournament still had a kid or two on the team who couldn't skate. Well, plus, <laughs> were they playing? They were playing 15 minutes at least, or maybe not 15. Probably 12. They might have been. But they only had, you know, War Road was skating two lines and three defensemen. And two of the def- and one of the defensemen didn't play, so I mean you could you didn't need as many players as they have. International now. Falls always used three lines during their dynasty. Oh, they were something, yeah. man! They 16, were something. Four, five, and six. <laughs> Again, worst worst mistake in newspaper history. Poor old Dave Andrews, a young guy. I was a copy boy there. International Falls Johnson in the final, mm-hmm. and. The uh, we the Star Tribune, the Tribune Sunday circulated to the point that they were going to fly papers to International Falls with the the fifteen thousand papers to mm-hmm. International Falls to deliver them and then also sell them because they know in the finals on Saturday night okay. so they were going to get the score in and I think it was a was it a one nothing game Johnson Falls I don't know it was a low scoring game anyway. Uh, the Falls wins, and that was part of their championship run. And uh, and they're ready to roll downstairs. And Dave puts in the Johnson wins headline, and they mail oh, and they no. fly it to International <laughs> Falls. There was there was a lot of silence around here. You know, there was you know a lot of that. Just look at a guy and shake his head. Thing. You know, it was not the, you know. Much to the same way when I'll get a call at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon from this guy, I can't believe you put that in the bleeping show title. Kind of the same reaction yeah, yeah. that I'll get. Well, I the, bet people in the falls have, have kept those. I bet those. they got those. Oh, yeah, I bet they're hanging in the collector's yeah, yeah, a bar or two. Yeah. They, that's the, you know, 
the, the mock nod of the head, I always Rick, Rob Wilfong, I gotta tell this again. Rob Wilfong is the box go, goes to California, ends up with Rob Wilfong as his one of his second basemen. He loved Wilfong, but he puts Wilfong into pinch run in the ninth inning, and there's one out, and Reggie's on deck, and whoever flies out to center field. Bob, Will Fong ties a, uh, tags up mm-hmm. and gets thrown out at second to end the game with Reggie on deck, one run behind. And he didn't play for three weeks. And Fong told me about every three innings, Mock could turn around and just shake his head. <laughs> never screamed at him, never yelled at him. Just, just went... You, I traded for you. I brought you out here, and you would do this to me. See who was on deck. (laughs) A little. There's a little of that. There's a little of mock in but but very much so. Yeah, except more than a little. Mock was more would show his emotions more. But yes, but the same. How long did their tenures overlap? Well, um, Bud was the. Coach, when Gene was here from '76 to '80, okay. I don't know, I, and I'm sure Sid, you know, was big buddies with both of them. I'm sure he had them to dinner okay. together and stuff. I am, I never asked to be honest, but uh, but but mocking, you know, Sid, Bud never apologized for being Sid's friend. Right. Mock, mock was the <laughs> the story when I'm sitting in the dugout with him at 4.15 and the phone rings in the dugout like 50 times and he doesn't budge. Lights up another cigarette. Starts ringing again like two minutes later, 20 times. And I finally said, you gonna answer that? And he said, how would you like to wake up every morning in the summer knowing one thing you had to do that day was talk to Sid Hartman? <laughs> and he meant answer his questions, right. which were the same questions he asked him yesterday. Every day. Right. <laughs> Bud would have never said that. Bud was willing to... He might have thought it. Might have thought it, but he wouldn't have said it. But he no. wouldn't have let you know. No, no. Anyway. Bud... It was kind of a kick. These last, I got to know him even. I got to know him better the last ten, twelve years. And so. several people uh, asked because when you were with us on Friday, you had said at Bobby's going away thing that someone went down, but obviously it was not Bud. No, it was not Bud. Because no, several no, people no. had I found emailed out and it asked was that somebody who had been overserved. But, ah. but they were worried enough about him that they called an ambulance. But I don't think he ever got in. Okay, there. somebody was somebody was drunk. Mm. Actually, they were sober when Bobby started talking. But uh, <laughs> hour and ten minutes later, they were hammered. I was the only one in the room when he said, "Oh, one more thing," and I went, "Yay! <laughs> All right, let's go <laughs> here." He, 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 he wouldn't have made it. Oh God, no! Hour yeah. ten. I don't think I would. <laughs> No, no, but it was like, Bob, okay, they're running me out of here. I ain't going down quiet. Well, I think that's a fair assumption, Patrick, because at the Diamond Awards, every time, you know, Dick and Audra were presenting another award, Joe assumed, okay, now it's done, right? I can get him down. No, Joe, we got to wait. Patrick's not up till the end. (laughs) I got out of there in time. Yes, you did. Yes, Somebody, I haven't watched it, obviously, but somebody told me there's a small edit. In I, the, uh, I informed you of that. There's a I, small edit in the... Uh, I recorded it because the no, first time it was on, the boys wanted to watch you and Joe being on TV. So shot, I recorded it for shot them. or two at Rocco didn't make and it. And we I were guess. watching really? it. I said, they got rid of it. 
And I was so mad. Yes. That's what I heard. Now, they might have said they needed time because afterwards I said, I got a hunch I know where it's what's going to get lost here (laughs) if uh, if they have to cut time on it. Where the incision's going to take place. That's right. All right, bud. We're going to miss you, you old son of a gun. Yep. You have heard me discuss my relationship with Josh Arnold for some time. The reason I advocate that you give Josh a call is simple. Trust and results. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions. As has been said, uh, through all of our relationship, past results do not guarantee future returns. And while that is true, Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. You can understand that Josh will make sure you are not paying more in fees than you are seeing in returns. Yes, that is more common than you would like to think. Do yourself a favor and have a booking with Josh for the 40 48-minute free evaluation. This is a no-obligation meeting. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. You will be glad that you did. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Patrick Royce is a paid endorser.